Father, according to your very words, you've chosen to be a King of kings and a Lord of lords who chooses to heal your people. So, Father, we thank you that that was your choice. We do not have to coerce you, beg you, really even ask you in one sense, Father, to heal us. You said you would already heal us. So, Father, we thank you that it's settled doctrine. It's settled, Father, from before the foundation of the world. Lord, I thank you that the whole earth would have to stop spinning before you ever violated your word. If you declared once, Father, in, even in the distant past, that you are the healer, then you will never change. Father, I thank you that many thousands of years ago, you declared that I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the great God who heals. So, Father, you have not changed from that statement. And I thank you for that, Father. I thank you, Father, that you remain committed to your word. You have not given up on it. You have not walked away from it. Father, in fact, you said that you watch over your word to be sure to perform all of it, Father. So, Father, we thank you for that. And we give you all praise and honor for Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, the Lord, the Bible does say the Lord watches over his word to perform it. Amen. Uh, and so he speaks it and then he makes sure that he, he uh, completes it. Amen. Uh, and so uh, that's pretty good. Amen. A lot of people hope that, they, that you, you forget what they've said so they don't have to uh, do what they've said they're going to do. <laughs> and so, and, and the, in fact, they sometimes intensely forget what they've said so they don't have to do with that. Well, I don't remember saying that. Well, you said it, you know. You know, if you want to be a person of great faith, you have to be a person of great words. <clears throat> and um, uh, what I have found that oftentimes people will commit uh, easily, quickly to everything in the world and that they do nothing. Uh, and... You know, for whatever reason, sometimes it, they're, they're people pleasers, men pleasers, where they just want to, you know, uh, not disappoint you that they're not going to do something. So they'll, they'll oh, oh, yeah, I'll do that, knowing that they have no ability to do it, no time to do it, no finances to do it, or whatever. Uh, and, um, you know, I'd much rather somebody just tell me no and, and, and maybe come back and do it uh, than tell me yes uh, and never do it. Amen. And... Um, I don't know, see if we can, there's a, there's a story that, uh, let's see if I can find it. Uh, if we can't find it, we'll, we'll bring it up another time there. But um, in Matthew chapter 21, uh, it says in verse 28, uh, it says, But what think ye, a certain man had two sons. And he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward he repented and went. And he came to the second and said, Likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir, and went not. Whether of them twain did the will of his father? They said unto him, The first. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you that the publicans and the harlots go into the kingdom of God before you. And so Jesus said, It's way better to say you're not going to do it, repent, and come back and do it, than to say you're going to do it and, and then lie about it and, and don't do it, right? Because you can repent. For, for not being in the will of God and get in the will of God. But if you say you're going to be in the will of God, it's not repentance to now get out of the will of God and not do something. Uh, and so 
you know, I didn't write that parable, but it's always been a blessing to me, you know. Uh, and so I'd rather undercommit and, and overdeliver than overcommit and underdeliver. Uh, a lot of people, uh, they overcommit and they just, they never deliver. Amen. Uh, and so if you're going to be a person of faith, you're really careful about what you commit to uh, in this life. Amen. And it's not just natural things, but, you know, committing to the Lord and all these things. And uh, you just got to be careful with your words. Amen. You've got to guard your words because they're precious. Your words are powerful. They have the ability to change the course and direction of the earth. Your words do. Uh, but if your words are of no value, they'll never have the ability to carry that much power. Amen. Uh, you know, you look at a, a, a tiny little uh, piece of wire that's very fragile and, and not very big, and it can carry some amount of electricity, but not very much. You, get, you, you see these big, these big giant coils, they hook up to machines. Uh, they can carry massive amounts of power, and they're strong, and, and uh, in fact, they're unwieldy, right, trying to move them around and when you go rewire a house, you bring in the main wire from the, the uh, TVA uh, power poles, and they're big chunko amounts of uh, material, right? I, don't, I, don't, I imagine they're made out of copper. Sometimes they're made out of aluminum or something like that because they're so big and heavy, uh, and uh, they're made to carry large amounts of power. Uh, and your words need to be able to carry large amounts of power because uh, your words are the delivery system of the power of God, amen? The power of God comes from heaven, but it's delivered primarily through the words of his people on the earth. And so if the people on the earth uh, don't have the ability to carry much power, then everything takes much longer to get done in the earth because we can only do a small amount of powerful things at a time. And so uh, now we are here, here we are 2,000 years since Jesus was on the earth you know, he might could have come two days after, after he left the earth if the church had enough power. I don't know. Um, well, he'll come when he comes, I know. But oftentimes the timing of the Lord is delayed because the people of the earth are too slow or too, too lacking in power to deliver the things that he needs done on the earth. Um, and so uh, the nice thing about it, though, is can we change? Yes. And what do you say about the, the man in, in, in the parable? He repented, right? Well, then we can repent. We can change, right? All, all the word repent means is to change course and direction. Uh, we say, Lord, you know, I've not done like I should have with my words. I'll do better. And I was like, okay, I'll help you. I'll help you get along in that. Amen. And so we've been talking a little bit about joy. Uh, we, we mentioned uh, last week uh, Proverbs 17, 22, that says, A merry heart doth good like a medicine, uh, and, um, but a broken spirit dryeth the bones. The Amplified Version says, A merry heart is good medicine. So it's not just like good medicine, he said it actually is good medicine. So, so when you have a merry heart, that provides medicine to you, uh, it, and it says it causes healing. It's good medicine, and a joyful mind causes healing. So uh, is, that, is, that a, is that a true verse? It is a true verse, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, your only prescription may, may be to have a merry heart. Uh, you, ever, you ever notice people that just, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's like everywhere they go, they got this gray cloud over their head, you know. I mean, it could be blasting sunshine everywhere except for right there, that one little two foot by two foot square where they're standing. It's pouring down rain and lightning and thunder. Uh, and, and if they move over 10 feet, that's where the cloud goes because, you know, uh, well, you know, if it's, it's going to rain anyway, you know. It doesn't matter what it is, you know. They, they got to raise, yeah, well, the price of gas is going to go up anyway. It doesn't matter, you know. 
uh, or they cut their rent in half. Well, you know, but they're going to quit fixing things. You know, no matter what it is, they find a, a way to not to suck all the joy out of it. Amen. You ever know people like that? You just consume all available joy in every situation to where there's no joy left. Well, you know, that person will be a person who, who lives with sickness and disease all of their life. They'll feel bad, they'll aches and pains, just everything's always breaking or, or getting, getting bad. Or, you know, well, it looks like you feel good today. Yeah, but it probably won't last. You know, that, that's, the, that's the kind of people they are. Amen. Yeah, and so they have only fleeting amounts of healing. And yet the Lord said that uh, taking no other medication than if you have a joyful heart, that it's like good medicine and a joyful mind causes healing. And that's the amplified uh, translation there. Uh, and so it's actually the new amplified translation, which I don't think you have, Jared, on your computer there. But, uh, and so um, we read a couple of the other translations. I still like them. We'll read them again. One translation says, if you are cheerful, you feel good. If you are sad, you hurt all over. I like that one. <laughs> you hurt all, you know, no people just hurt all over. Just, just everything hurts. Well, why is that? Because they're sad. They never can find joy in anything. Amen. Uh, and so uh, one says a, a joyful mind makes a flourishing age. Uh, and the last translation says a cheerful heart well pleases as a cure. Uh, and so it's to our advantage to find it. So uh, what I want to just mention a little bit today, of course, we, we had read Nehemiah 8.10, the common verse there of the joy of the Lord is your strength. But how do we get joy, right? How do, how do we obtain joy? How do we live in joy? Uh, and, of course, uh, uh, Dr. Yeoman gave us a few verses here. Uh, one verse says in Psalm 43, 4, it says, Then will I go unto the altar of God, and unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Uh, and so uh, she said that the Lord, or the word says that the Lord is my exceeding joy. Well, and so I'm going to go to him, right? I'm going to go unto him uh, because he's my exceeding joy. And, and 1 Peter 1.8 says, Whom having not seen you love, and whom though now you see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, and, and of course, uh, that's, that's great, right? That's wonderful. Um, but, you know, it'd be helpful if we, if we found a verse that would say, if you do this, you get joy. Right, because we're going into where the joy is, which is great. But how do we get the joy? Amen. I want to know how how I get the joy, uh, and uh, and then I'm going to follow that, and then I can go into where the joy is, and then obtain it for myself. And so uh, to to start that, we know according to Galatians chapter five uh, that um, where where Paul said, "But the fruit of the spirit is," and then he gives us the fruit of the spirit. Amen. Uh, and he starts out with, with uh, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, and faith. And, of course, then he goes on the other ones in verse 23. Uh, but we see here that uh, the, what's the first fruit? Love. It's always love, right? And that's, a, that's the agape love, right? The God kind of love. So it's not brotherly love. It's not physical love. It's uh, agape love. It's the God kind of love. Amen? Uh, and so that's a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, and, uh, and, of course, in the King James, uh, if we, we have that up there, right? The King, so in the King James translation, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, well, is that word uh, uh, capitalized or not a capitalized? Capitalized. It's capitalized. What does it imply if it's a capitalized? It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, right? 
But see, the, the problem with that is in the original Greek translation or the original Greek writing of this, uh, there were no capital letters. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, there were no uh, punctuation either. I don't know how they read things. I mean, back, back when they had the Greek language, if you look at the original Greek manuscripts, uh, I mean, there's just no breaks. There's no punctuation. You don't know when, when, one, um, when one sentence completes and one sentence starts. Sometimes there's not even any spaces in between words, but, uh, but there's for sure no punctuation. So uh, all that punctuation, all the capitalization was added by the English translators, right? In this case, by the translators who translated the King James language. And so uh, the, the word spirit there, the Greek word for spirit there is pneuma. Uh, and so, and that's a common Greek word. Anytime you see the word spirit, it's talking about the human spirit, it's talking about the Holy Spirit. It's always pneuma. It's always this, the Greek word for pneuma. And sometimes the, the uh, original language had the word holy in front of it, so Holy Spirit. Uh, and so if it said Holy Spirit, then we know for sure it's talking about the Holy Ghost, right? The Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If it doesn't say Holy Spirit, if it just says Spirit, like in this case, then we have to kind of sort of guess from the context uh, of the verse whether or not that this was talking about the Holy Spirit or your spirit. Because if it's talking about spirit, because it, it could be a demonic spirit, it could be the Holy Spirit, it could be your spirit, right? The Bible talks about unclean spirits. And of course, if it says unclean spirits or unclean pneuma, well, you know it's talking about demonic spirits. But if it just said pneuma, just, just spirits, well, then uh, we've got three choices, right? A, which is, you know, uh, evil spirits, B, your spirit, or C, the Holy Spirit. That's kind of the only three categories of spirits that we know of, right? Uh, there's other spiritual beings like like seraphim and cherubim and things like that, but uh, th those aren't mentioned much in the New Testament. <clears throat> and so uh, in this case, uh, they got it wrong when they said that the fruit of the Holy Spirit, because that's what they're implying by capitalizing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, because uh, then it says that, the, that this fruit comes from the Holy Spirit. But, but the problem is, let's turn over to, to uh, John chapter uh, 15, <clears throat> and we'll see what the Word says about it. Because the best way to figure it out is let's just see what the Word says. If the Word says something different, then we'll go with what the Word says. Then, uh, and so even though the, uh, the Greek original writing of uh, the Scriptures has no errors, uh, the translations were done by men, amen, uh, uh, with the desire to produce a good English translation of the original uh, manuscripts. But, you know, the, they did... They did uh, on occasion, introduce some errors, amen? And, you know, if you go to, to uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where it talks, the great love chapter, right? Uh, for whatever odd reason, in that chapter, almost nowhere else, they use the word charity. The King James uh, uh, translators use charity. Almost everywhere else, they use the word love. Uh, but charity implies, like, you know, you're just feeling sorry for somebody, and, you know, oh, you need a dollar, then they give you a dollar, you'll hear some charity. Uh, and so why they used charity, I don't know why they used charity, right? But uh, maybe they had a sale on the word charity or something and had to use up a few uh, instances of it. But uh, so, uh, so we've got to figure out where does this fruit come from? Does it come from the Holy Spirit or does it come from your spirit? Well, let's see what, um, let's see what the Word of God says. So in John chapter 15, let's just start in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. So... Uh, who is speaking here? Jesus. Jesus is, right? How do we know that? 
Well, it's in words in red. You know, the original manuscripts didn't have red letters either, right? So they had to kind of hope and figure out, based on the context, is Jesus speaking here? Well, usually it's pretty obvious when he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. So clearly it's Jesus speaking here. Uh, he says, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. So uh, what did he say? Every branch in me that does what? That does not what? Bear fruit. So, so who does the bearing of the fruit? The, is it Because he, he said, he's the vine and we're the branches, right? In fact, that's what he says in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Uh, and then he says, back, let's go on down to verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. So, when he, so if you look at the, the allegory that he's using, he's talking about like a, like a vineyard, right, where there's, there's vines, there's a main trunk vine, and then there's branches off of that. And, we're, uh, and he says, uh, he that abideth in me and I in him, the, the same, or the, the same one that abides in me, is the one that bringeth forth much fruit. So, uh, and again, back up in verse 2, he said that, that if the branch does not bear fruit, then he takes it away. So you've got, two, you've got two things that he's using as an allegory here. You've got the vine, which he says it's him, and he says the branches, which he said represents us, and he said of those two, which is the, which is the ones that bear the fruit? Well, we are, right? Either bear, if you go to a, to a, a grape, uh, to a, a vineyard where they're, where they're growing grapes, then uh, if you're going to go pluck some grapes, you don't go to the trunk that's right there at the ground to look for the grapes. You go up, you find the end of that vine till you go to find the end of the branches on that vine and you go to the end of that branch and that's where the fruit is born. So uh, if, that, if the branches are the, are the part that bears the fruit, then uh, we are the branches, that means we bear the fruit. So in Galatians 5.22 then, uh, we'll bring, bring Galatians 5.22 back up, uh, where it says, but the fruit of the Spirit, this is the fruit of, of you. You bear the fruit, right? So it's not the, why would the Holy Spirit need to bear fruit? He is love, amen? So he's not bearing love, he is love. God is love, amen? If God is love, then the Holy Spirit is love. So the fruit of your spirit, right? What, what your spirit produces uh, are these things. So that means that, and uh, we go back to what Jesus said, that you can either bear much fruit or you can bear no fruit. So whose choice is it to bear fruit? Well, it's you, right? Because if you stay connected to the vine, then you'll bear fruit. But if you disconnect from the vine, you know, Christians disconnect from, from the vine all the time. I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, you've just disconnected from the vine. You go, see, you go, to, a, um, you go to a vineyard and, and you, just, you just cut the vine uh, in half where the branches are separate from the vine. What's going to happen to that branch? It's going to shrivel up, right? It's going to stop bearing fruit. Is it going to come back next year and, and see more, uh, uh, more grapes on the end of that, uh, on the end of that uh, branch? No, because it's disconnected from, from the vine. Amen? And so that's why he said that you've got to abide in him and his word's got to abide in you. You have to stay connected to the source. So the source of, the source of love, the source of joy, the source of peace and long, all these things comes from the vine, but we are the ones who bear it, right? So, so we, we produce the fruit, but all the power needed to bear that fruit comes from the vine, amen? All the nutrients, right? All the, all the, so that, that vine is connected down to the soil and the soil is producing uh, nutrients and water and things that the vine needs and that those that, or the branches need, that vine will pull those nutri nutrients, pull that water out of the ground 
and send it out to the edge of the branches where then it has the, the nutrients it needs to produce the fruit. So if you stay connected, you can produce the fruit. So uh, we are the ones responsible for, for, for producing the fruit, amen? The power and the ability to do that comes from God, but we are the ones responsible for, for, for producing that fruit. Uh, and so uh, it's all of that just to say that, that joy is the fruit of the Spirit. So when you think of fruit then, uh, if, if you go back to your high school biology days, uh, and you know, to be honest, there's a lot of adults who need to go back to their high school biology, right? I say, well, what's the difference between men and women? There's no difference. You need to go back to like ninth grade biology. This is not hard, right? But there's a, a massive amount of confusion in the world today. There's no difference between men and women. Have you ever looked in the mirror? Have you ever read an, any biology book ever made up before uh, 2020, right? Uh, after 2020, suddenly biologists, some, some professor got fired the other day because he said, you know, biology, you need a man and a woman to make children. How dare you say that? I'm so offended. <laughs> we live in weird, weird times nowadays, right? Uh, when you say, you know, when you, they, in fact, one of the current Supreme Court justices, when she was being uh, uh, interviewed to, to see if, if uh, they wanted to uh, appoint her to the position of being a Supreme Court. They said, uh, can you define what a woman? I asked a woman, can you define what? I am not a biologist. <laughs> you don't have to have a degree in biology to answer that question, right? And in fact, she being a woman is pretty good expert on being a, what a woman is, right? And yet uh, we live in strange, interesting times. And so fortunately we get to live in reality in, in the word of God in the church, right? We don't have to deal with such foolishness uh, because here it says the fruit of the spirit so fruit means it's something that's born from a prior action, right? So back to our biology days, uh, even, for, uh, even for vineyards and, and grapes, all fruit that comes from fruit trees and stuff uh, have to be pollinated by, um, by the bees, right? Bees do their thing, birds do their things, right? We're not going to go into the depths of biology here. But uh, bees will come and pollinate that until, that, until the, that, uh, that flower is pollinated by the bees, it can't produce fruit. So fruit is born from some prior action. And that's the thing that we need to understand is, is fruit is not just fruit, right? Something had to occur prior to fruit being produced, amen? And, and in this case, I mean, if you, if you have children, then, then you know, a, a mama and a daddy loved each other and they went and did things that uh, were covered in your biology class and a child was produced, right? Fruit was produced. Uh, it's the same thing when fruit of the vine is produced that, that uh, it has to be pollinated by the bees. And that's why bees are very important, right? We think, well, they're just something that stings. Well, no, they, they all, the, all the food you eat, pretty much a bee has had something to do with it. Uh, and so uh, the Lord figured all that out, put it all together. It's pretty amazing. It works, amen? Uh, and so, so fruit is the result of some prior action. <clears throat> so joy is a fruit, so that means it can be produced in your life. Uh, and so uh, if, if we're going to produce fruit then, then, then what do we need to do uh, that can produce fruit? Amen? Is there a verse in the Bible that tells us if you want to have joy, here's what you can do to produce joy. See, that's a fruit of the Spirit. So it's, we know that because it's from the Scriptures and it's talking about uh, spiritual things, 
that it has to have something to do in the realm of the spirit, right? It has to be a spiritual action that occurs. Now, and a lot of times people think, well, if I can just get all my bills paid, I will be happy. You know how many people that are debt-free or are still unhappy? They're, you know, they could be full of debt and be unhappy. They could be debt-free and still be unhappy. Uh, that is not what makes you happy, amen? Uh, and so what makes you happy is uh, living a life of faith. And so we're, uh, are we still in John chapter 15? If we are, let's continue there. So uh, if, uh, well, we'll just start again there in verse 5. I am the vine, ye are the branches. Uh, and so, of course, up, up at the beginning where it says, I am the true vine, my father is the husbandman or the gardener. So if you've got a, in, the, in this uh, uh, example that he's given to us here, what's, if you've got vines and branches, what's the job of the gardener? You got to do some pruning, right? If you ever see somebody that, that really uh, has maintenance over like a vineyard, what are they doing on a regular basis? They're pruning it, right? They're clipping off, uh, you know, some dead leaves. They're clipping off some other branches to make sure that it grows back stronger. And, you know, they, they really take care of it. Amen. And uh, we've got a bunch of rose bushes out in front of our yard. That's something we probably should do, which we have never done, right? I mean, we, we have paid some other people to do it. But uh, if you, uh, people that really grow uh, world-class rose bushes, man, they're clipping all the time and they're doing all these things and it's just exhausting. I can't imagine, you know, just, I have no interest in doing that, <laughs> amen? And so, but some people love it and, that, and that's great, right? And they, when they'll, what they do, because they know enough about the plant and they know exactly when to do it and how much to do it. Uh, you know, we, uh, we've got um, a couple of these giant ash trees on our property. And uh, we had one branch that was just, uh, you know, it had gone way out, grown way out over, over the building. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have a, uh, uh, a company that knows how to trim branches to come and, and trim up that branch. Cause I'm thinking just trim up that branch, right? And, and so uh, they got done uh, and when I was like, <laughs> But look at it, there was, a, there was not a single branch left on that tree. They'd scalped it. And, and I th- it's a stump. It's like a, like a 30-foot stump. And I thought, they have murdered this tree. I mean, I just asked them to cut one branch off, and there's nothing there. And, and, and so I'm thinking, that, that eventually this thing's going to, the whole thing's going to have to come down, right? Because they've just, they've murdered, they've killed it, they snuck up behind it and stabbed it, you know, and... and killed these two giant trees, and I really like the trees. I, I was just wanting them to, to prune it a little bit. Well, see, but they're the experts. I'm not the expert, because if I'd been the expert, I'd have just chopped off a little bit. You know, they're like, eh, you know, uh, well, uh, this spring, uh, it looks like a chia pet. It's got branches, you know, hundreds of branches on it, right? Now, they're all small branches, but they all got leaves on them, and it's amazing. I mean, it's like, I, thought, I thought, really thought they'd murdered these trees. I mean, I, I thought there's no way. But see, uh, they're the experts at it, right? That's why you call them experts, right? If it had been me, I'd have, you know, I'd have messed the whole thing up, uh, no doubt. Uh, and so, but that's the job of the husbandman. He, he prunes things. Now, does pruning sound like the, the most joyful thing you could ever do? Lord's going to come, you've got to get that out of your life. Well, Lord, I've had that in my life forever. Yeah, you've got to cut it off. Oh, Lord, I don't want to cut it off. You've got to cut it off. Uh, and if you let me, I'll cut it off. Lord, I don't know if I really want that or not. Uh, and, and so, you know, it's, it, does it sound like a comfortable thing to do? Does it sound like a comfortable thing to do? But see, if you want to produce fruit, 
you've got to allow the husband, husband man to do his job, which he's going to say, hey, you know that attitude you got right there? You've got to get rid of that. Lord, I've had the attitude since I was six years old. I mean, I pitched a fit there in Walmart when I was six, and I've been pitching fits since I was six years old, Lord, and, and, and I'm, I don't know how to stop. You've got to stop it. We've got to get that attitude out of your life. Uh, well, Lord, I, I, you know, that's just who I am. And don't ever make, cop out, well, that's just who I am. Don't ever say things like that. That's who I am. Because what you're saying is, Lord, I will never change. Do you look like the Lord Jesus yet? Then you've got to change. Amen. Uh, and so if, if you don't look like the Lord Jesus, time to change. Amen. Uh, and so the husbandman will show you, hey, this, this attitude right here, this thought right here, this action, these words that you keep saying, you've got to prune that out of your life. Get that out of your life. And so he will come and tell you the things but at the end of the day, he won't override your will. He will wait for you to hook up with him. And I always say, Lord, how are we going to get rid of this? And he'll show you. Amen. And so, so that, that's the job of the husbandman. His job is to come prune you with the goal of doing what? Producing more fruit. See, I've got these beautiful, uh, nice, young branches. They're not old and rotted and, and broken on this tree. This tree will live forever. I mean, you know, it's amazing to me. I mean, I, I mean you, you just need, I need to take a picture of this because... I thought I should have taken a picture before because, I mean, it literally, literally looked like a stump. I said, well, I can maybe do something with a giant stump. I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, it was it's just amazing, right? Uh, and so, so that's the job of the husband, and his job is to prune you so that, what, so that your fruit increases. Amen? That, that's what these, these uh, uh, vineyard managers do is they prune these vines, and, and they're clipping things, they're pruning these branches, and they're... they're, they're doing all this work with the goal of producing better fruit, right? Stronger fruit, more hearty fruit, more flavorful, flavorful fruit. Um, that's their job. And they're experts at it. And they would never give anybody like me a pair of shears. Just go out there and cut stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just be cutting all and They'd be like, what are you doing? You can't cut that. And I, you said cut stuff, you know? And so uh, they would never give, they would never trust me with shears, but people that know that, uh, and they are trained for years to do this, right? To know exactly when and where to do it. And the time of year matters, right? The season matters, the, the, whether it's dry season or wet season, and, and how much they cut and when they cut it. Uh, and they're really good at that, amen? And so, that, so that's the job of the husbandman. So you've got to allow the husbandman to do his job. If you're the branches, you've got to allow the husbandman to, to prune you, amen? And it doesn't sound like fun, and it's not really fun. But does he prune you with sickness and disease? No, he's taking things out of your life. He's not adding sickness into your life. Amen. He's taking attitudes. He's taking thoughts. He's taking actions. He, he's, he's taking bad doctrine out of your life. Amen. That's part of, part of his job. And your job is to say, yes, sir. That's your only job. Yes, sir. Because if you say, no, sir, he won't do it. You'll have this big, ugly branch sitting over there. You know, it's all gnarled and, you know, it's all rotted. It's going to fall over someday. You know, I like that branch, you know, and yeah, but it's going to, you know, it's going to fall sometime and you don't want it to fall. Uh, and so you want to you want to take it off uh, in the right way with wisdom. And so uh, he said, I am the vine in verse five. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. So that's our goal is to bring forth much fruit. Well, Galatians 5.22 says some of the fruit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, kindness, meekness, temperance. Amen. So that's the, that's the fruit there. Uh, and so uh, uh, he wants us to produce much fruit. So this is not talking about finances. It's not talking about, you know, uh, even people, getting people saved. This is talking about the fruit of the Spirit, fruit of your Spirit, right? You are the one who produces this fruit. 
So you are the one who, who doesn't produce the fruit. If there's no fruit coming in your life, then that's still on you. If there's a bunch of fruit coming in your life, that's entirely on you, amen, because of the actions you've taken, actions of faith, amen. When the Lord says, time to change this as the husbandman, I'm going to take this out of your life, then, then a person of faith will, yes, sir, uh, I want that out of my life. I will stop doing that. I will stop saying that. I will stop believing that. Uh, he said uh, that uh, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. So we have to stay connected to Jesus, amen. Uh, we have to stay connected. In fact, he, said, he, did, he gives us the instructions of how to do that. If a man abide not in me, abide means to remain in, to stay in him, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Uh, and so if you don't rem- remain in Jesus, it doesn't mean for like a nanosecond I walked away from Jesus. He's talking about your lifestyle. Amen. So uh, he's not talking about being perfect and never making a mistake. He's just talking about in general, are you abiding in him? In general, do you desire to remain in him? Uh, he said he's cast forth as a branch and is withered. How many withered Christians do you know? shriveled up, no faith, no, no, no joy in their life, no, no love in their life, no, no peace in their life. They're just withered, right? They're withered Christians. Uh, and the reason why they're withered is they have separated themselves from the Lord Jesus. Now, they'll tell you, I, I love Jesus. No, you don't. Uh, you know, you, you get, I, I meet Christians all the time. Uh, I believe if they die, they'll be on the way to heaven. But they don't go to church. Well, I love Jesus. Well, he said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. And he said, I command you to go to church. Be among, around fellow believers. Well, I don't like going. They're all full of hypocrites. Well, there's one less because you're not there, right? If you, if you come, there'd be one more hypocrite, right? And then so we'd all be hypocrites together, amen? Uh, you, know, uh, you know, people all the time, you know, they'll tell me why they don't go to church. You know, and I'm thinking, but the, the Lord Jesus commanded us to go to church. And so I don't care if you are the worst people in the world. If I'm supposed to go to that church, I will go to that church. I'm not going to let you keep me from the plan of God. People, let, people allow other people to, to get them out of the will of God all the time. And the problem with that mentality is that doesn't work with the Lord Jesus. When you stand before him at the end of time, uh, he's going to say, did you do what I asked you to do? Lord, as best I could. Well, didn't, uh, didn't I tell you to go to the church? Yeah, Lord, but there were some mean people there. So I didn't do your will because of those people. So you thought those people were more important than me because you were supposed to go to the church. You knew you were supposed to go to the church, but you didn't want to go to the church because of that person sitting next to you. And so you didn't do my will because of that. So you think that that person is more valuable than I am. Well, when you put it like that, you know, that makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, and so, you know, that, that's a triggering uh, thing for me, Lord, and I feel triggered here. And so, you know, you need to, you need to straighten up. Uh, because, you know, I'm a cupcake. Uh, no, uh, you, you don't, I would encourage you, don't say, you know, don't make an excuse, amen? Uh, because people all the time will say, here's why I can't do the will of God. And in doing that, they will become a withered Christian. You know what Jesus said? If you, if you don't stay with me, you will become withered, amen? Uh, and so, I mean, if you go uh, chop a branch off a tree, is it going to wither at the very second you do that? No, if it's a big branch, it could, it could stay green for days, maybe even weeks sometimes before the, the leaves start turning brown because they have no, no nutrients. But, I mean, if you just top it, you couldn't tell. Well, that looks like a live tree. In fact, that's how they, that's how they um, uh, produce new plants, right? They go take a branch, they'll cut it off a tree, and they'll go put it, reconnect it to soil and water and nutrients, and it'll become another tree. 
Uh, and so, because it gets reconnected to, to, the, to the source of nutrients, amen? Uh, and so, but if it, if it gets disconnected, people get disconnected all the time. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the, now I'm not saying that, that uh, it's okay that people mistreat people at church, clearly, right? It's not, it's not okay. It doesn't happen, it happens all the time. It's unfortunate, I can't tell you how many stories. I talk to Christians, I don't go to church, why not? Well, they said these things to me, they did these things to me. Uh, and those are terrible things. I am not letting somebody else dictate my life. If I'm gonna go to church, if you're the meanest person in the world to me, I'm gonna go to church and I'm gonna outlove you, amen? Uh, I will, in, in fact, uh, Brother Hagen always told the story, they had a testimony service one night and they said, uh, uh, what are some things that we're thankful for? You know, and so-and-so said, you know, the sky, and this one over here said the bluebirds, you know, and this one said, you know, whatever. And, uh, and he said, I, I just want to uh, tell everyone here, I am so thankful for Sister Doodad. And when he said that, everybody's like, what? She's the meanest person? Gossips? You know, backstabs everybody in the church? He said, I'm so thankful for Sister Doodad. He said, because she keeps me on my knees more than everybody else in this church. <laughs> so I'm not sure if it was a great testimony for her, but, uh, uh, but see, that person kept him in prayer. He's, gonna stay, he's not going to disconnect from the Lord because of this person. He's going to stay on his knees until either he helps this person change or you get to a point where, where she's not a hindrance to his spiritual life. See, I'm not going to let somebody else be a hindrance to my spiritual life. Amen? It happens all the time, though. Amen? Yeah. And when we do that, we replace the Lord Jesus with that person. There's a lot of people who are, who are worshiping the meanest person in the church because that person is now is dictating their life. Uh, and I know, act, you know, we've gotten over in my pastoral role over here, right, meddling a little bit. Uh, but uh, here we are, right? And so John chapter 15, it's hard not to meddle reading John chapter 15 uh, because it, it, it gives us some good instructions, amen? Uh, and he says... Uh, we get down to verse 7, which is uh, a, a, an amazing uh, verse of promise here in verse 7. He said, if, so he's, uh, in fact, he said, if in verse 6, if a man abide not in me. Well, if means it could happen, uh, it may happen, and may not happen. Who decides if it happens in, in verse 6, if, if someone abides in him or doesn't abide in him? Who decides that? We do, right? So the if is on whose side? It's on our side, right? The only time, you, anytime you see the word if, it's, it's me. It's, it's humanity. It's if we do what we're supposed to do. We may do it, we may not do it. That's why there's an if, right? It could happen, it may not happen. Uh, and so uh, uh, he said, if you abide in me. So whose choice is it to abide in him? Mine. Is it the, the mean person at churches? Uh, are they the reason why you're not abiding in him? No, he said, if you abide in me. He didn't say, if somebody else keeps you from abiding in me. So right there he's telling you, it's, it's not anybody else's fault if you abide in him or that you don't abide in him. It's entirely up to you. Well, you don't know what they did. He doesn't say, if you abide in me, as long as everyone treats you well, as long as everyone is perfect for you. And, you know, while, while there is some compassion in my heart to people who have been harmed by churches, right, because... Do we all know people that have been harmed in church? Now, especially if you've been around a church, especially if you grew up uh, in, uh, uh, especially, well, I was going to say in Pentecostal churches, but I think all churches were this way to some extent, especially 
like in the 40s and 50s, it seemed like there was a lot of religious uh, legalism in churches. And if you wear makeup, you know, you're doomed to hell. If you wear jewelry, you're doomed to hell. If you're a woman and wear pants, you're doomed to hell. How many women we got? Uh, we got at least one woman. You know, straight to hell for you, you know. Uh, I mean, it was tough. Wasn't it tough? Uh, I mean, it didn't matter how much you loved the Lord. If you wore pants, straight to hell to you, right? And so uh, it, was, it was tough. We haven't gotten much better in the church as a whole. We're still finding reasons why, oh, you do that thing. You're straight to hell for you too, right? Uh, and so, so if you abide in me, well, that means that we have a choice, right? If the word if is there, it, it implies there's always a choice. Uh, and so if you say, I cannot do it, what you're saying is, I don't have a choice. Well, that's not good doctrine, right? Uh, we repeated this morning uh, that uh, any doctrine that says you do not have a choice is not correct doctrine. I can't help it. That's just the way that I am. That is not a true statement. Uh, you chose not to help it, and you want to stay the way you are. Now, that is a true statement. But the problem is that statement makes you look really bad, right? If you say you can't help it, well, then it's not my fault. But see, when you stand before the Lord Jesus, there are no excuses when you stand before the Lord Jesus. We have to get that settled in our heart. When we stand before the Lord Jesus, we say, Lord, I could not do that because of this. The Lord will be like, no. He'll take you right back to John 15, 7. If you abide in me. No footnote. No, 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 no uh, loophole. If you abide in me, you have full choice to decide if you abide in him. Amen. Nobody's at fault. You can't, nobody's, nobody's a reason for you doing it or not doing it. It's just simply your choice. Amen. Now, to me, that's good news. Because if, if I can overcome regardless of what's in front of me, then, then I can be a happy person. Because people that are unhappy, they're, they're always subject to their circumstances. If someone's mean to them, they're having a bad day. If someone didn't do right, they're having a bad day. If someone didn't come through, they're having a bad day. My Bible says if I abide in him, I have a good day every day. Well, and it doesn't say as long as my circumstances are good. It just says if I do this, then I'm good. Amen? Uh, and so... Uh, he said here, if you abide in me. So who's responsible for abiding in him? We are. we are, right? And the word abide means to remain attached to. If I remain attached to Jesus, right? Jesus, what do you want me to do? Jesus, what do you want me to say? Jesus, what, what, do, you want me to, what do you want me to read? Jesus, what do you want me to pray? I am staying attached to him. Amen. Jesus, where do you want me to go? Uh, and my words abide in you. Well, uh, how do we get his words in us? We read the word of God, right? I mean, we have to, uh, we have to attend to his words, right? Remember Proverbs 4, uh, my son, attend to my words, amen? So we have to attend to his words. We have to read his word. That gets his word in us. We go to church, that gets his word in us. If we're preaching the word, right? You go to some churches and they're preaching Andy Griffith, right? And all kinds of things. Well, it didn't say as long as, as, long as Andy Griffith uh, remains in you, Amen. And I like Andy Griffith. It's a good show, but, you know, uh, my spiritual life is not dependent upon knowing all the, uh, all the episodes of Andy Griffith. Amen? Uh, and so, yeah, and of course, you need an Opie in there, right? And, and so, uh, but he says, my words abide or remain in you, right? Abide in him, and his words remain attached in, in us. So we've got to keep his words in us. Amen? You know, uh, for me... Uh, and, and, you know, you, you develop this over the years. Uh, in, in every circumstance that arises in my life, 
what happens almost every, t- every single time is the Word of God will rise up. When somebody says something and does something, the Word of God immediately will rise up, something that helps me. Walk in love, you know, have long-suffering, uh, be patient, uh, be kind. Uh, the Word of God will rise up because it's in me. It abides in me. It remains in me. I remain attached to it. And so uh, people will say things like, well, you know, God put cancer on me. It immediately rises up. You know, I am the Lord to heal thee. What's it doing? Well, it's protecting me because those, those words are trying to attack his word uh, and, and to defeat his word in my life. But immediately the shield of the word of God will rise up. Amen? Uh, in, in me because it, it remains in me. I remain attached to the word. So, uh, uh, but the word where it says, if you abide in me, and, and also where it says, and my words abide in you, that's also the same continuous thought there. So it's also saying, if you abide in me, and if my word abides in you. So again, the word if there, whose, whose decision is it for his words to abide in you? Mine. Mine. So the nice thing is, 100%, you get to choose. That's good news, amen? That's not bad news, that's good news. You can, you can choose 100% of the time to remain in him, and his words to abide in you, 100% you. You're not dependent on anybody else. You don't have to wait on anybody else. Uh, if somebody else is unkind to you, they, are, they don't have the right and the privilege to keep you uh, from abiding in him. Amen. And yet people all the time will again making excuses. They're the reason why I can't abide in him. Not true. Uh, and so uh, we get to abide in him. His word get, get to remain attached in us. Uh, he said, if you do these two things, then the third thing is you shall ask what you will. Well, well, that's pretty good, right? Ask what you will. Uh, and so who's responsible for this third step? I am, right? I just hate to bother the Lord, you know. Uh, but he said, ask whatever you will. Well, except for big things, right? I mean, you can't ask for big things. That would be unreasonable. Is that what it says? Ask what you will about small things only. Is that what it says? But how many people read it that way? Well, you can ask God for big things. Well, number one, who's deciding what's big things and what's small things? Is there any big things in, in relation to the Lord? If you go look at the biggest mountain on the earth, how big is that compared to the Lord? It's a speck, right? How big is the universe compared to the Lord? It's a speck. He spoke it into existence with his words only. He didn't build the universe. He just said, be. And it just it came out of nothing, right? Out of nothing produced everything, out of the realm of the spirit, right? He... He just said, be, and it came. Uh, and so, uh, you know, we, we act like, like getting a new car. Well, we can't get a new car. We just have to get an, a used car, right? And it can't be a good used car. It has to be a really old used car. And it can't be a very expensive. And look, I mean, you've got to live where your faith is at it, amen? Uh, I mean, if, if you've got, uh, you know, Rolls, Rolls Royce faith, then get you a Rolls Royce, Amen. If you've got a, a, a Ford Pinto faith, then get you a Ford Pinto. Amen? I don't care. It doesn't, I mean, it, there, it's not a reflection on your spiritual value about what you drive. Amen? Some people kind of make it, well, you know, unless you drive a really nice car, you're not spiritual. Uh, it, you know, you drive whatever you want to drive. Amen? But make sure you do it in faith and not in presumption and not trying to prove how spiritual you are by obtaining things because the, the things you obtain are not a measure of your spiritual of your spiritual life, amen? But he said, you can ask what you will. So how many responsibilities are there so far in this verse? What's the first one? Abide in him. him. What's the second one? Words 
His words abide in us. What's the third one? Ask. If you don't do those three things, is the Lord able to do his part? What's his part? His part is, it shall be done unto you. Well, that's a pretty good deal, right? But again, uh, who's, who's the first one who has to move for, for these things to occur? Me. I have to abide in him. His words have to abide in me, and I have to ask. If I don't do those things, if I don't do all three of those things, then, then the Lord is unable to. He's not punishing you. He's unable to bless you. We were talking about this this morning. Amen. Because what you'll find is these, these are the way that all the promises work. I do my part. He does his part. I do my part. He does his part. Amen. Uh, and so uh, it shall be done unto you. Herein is my father glorified that you what? Bear much fruit. So what's the fruit that he's talking about there in verse seven? Asking and getting the answers to your prayers. Amen. So he's talking, in this case, this fruit that you're bearing is uh, bearing of answered prayer. Well, you go to some Christians and, and it's just a scrub bush, right? No leaves, no branches, you know, no fruit. You know, it looks like a tumbleweed. There's just nothing going on. Uh, in fact, you're not even sure if it's alive. You go over there and check the branches. They snap off. Well, it's dead. I didn't know he didn't know it was dead. Uh, and, that, and that's the way a lot of Christians live. No, no fruit, right? But he said, herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. I thought you bore fruit. Uh, I thought the Lord was glorified when everything was bad in your life. When you're full of sickness and disease, I'm glorifying God. When you're on your deathbed, I'm glorifying God. But now that he said you're glorifying God when you receive answers to your prayers, when you ask and get what you receive, or get what you have, uh, have requested. Uh, isn't that what he says? Herein is my father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. And he continues, as my father hath loved me, so have I loved you. And uh, continue ye in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandment and abide in his love. And then he, then he tells us here in verse 11, uh, these things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So he said, I've told you these things so that you can have fullness of joy. Well, what are the things he told us? Remain in him, allow his words to, to remain in you, and, and ask, and then bear that fruit of, that, uh, of those answered prayers. And the result of living like that is, you, he said, uh, that your joy may be full. And, and just, uh, uh, we're in chapter 15, just turn over to chapter 16, because it gives us a little bit uh, more uh, succinct statement of that. So we're in chapter 15. Just turn over to one more chapter here. It says, in, in that day, this is verse 23. He said, in that day, so what day is he talking about? The day after he goes to the cross, right? After he gets resurrected from the dead uh, and, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He said, in that day, you shall ask me nothing. Because right now, they're asking him things. Hey, Jesus, uh, when's the end time going to come? Hey, Jesus, you know, what are we going to do about this? Hey, Jesus, you know, they're, they're talking to him directly. And they're asking him for things. You know, hey, we need to pay our bills. We need to do these things. And so they can talk to him directly. But in that day, when I'm off the earth, he said, you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. So uh, that, this is the prescription for how we're supposed to pray today. We pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. We don't pray to Jesus. Now, you can fellowship with Jesus. That's fine. But when you need, a, when you need something done, you, you need a request fulfilled, you go to the Father in the name of Jesus or because of what Jesus has done for you. And that's why we do it in the name. We come in his name we, because he paid a price for us. He, he died. 
uh, and made us clean. He shed blood, washed us in his blood so we can come in it. Lord, I'm coming to you because of what Jesus did. I'm coming in his name uh, because of what he's done for me. And that gives us audience to the throne of heaven. <clears throat> and he says, hitherto or up until this time, you have asked nothing in my name. Why? Because I have not gone to the cross yet. But I am fixing to go to the cross. And so when I've done that hitherto up this time, you've not, done, you've not asked anything in my name. But once I've gone to the cross, now you're going to start asking my, in my name. He said, up till now you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, uh, in other words, in, in that day, right, when that time comes and I've been resurrected from the dead, at that point in time, you should ask, and what shall happen? You shall receive. So uh, after Jesus, now, is that where we live right now? After Jesus has gone to the cross, right? After he's been resurrected from the dead, seated at the right hand of the Father. So now we're in this day, right? He said, in that day, well, that's the day we're in. The day when Jesus has gone to the cross and Jesus has gone to the right hand of the Father. So now we ask uh, in his name and he says, and we shall receive. What's the result of us asking and receiving at the end of verse 24? That your what? That your joy may be full. So he kind of uh, simplifies what he said in, in chapter 15 is here's how you get joy. You go to the Lord, you ask, and you receive the things that you ask for. That will produce joy in your life. Well, that's a fruit of the Spirit. So how do you obtain the fruit of the Spirit of joy is you walk in faith. You ask and receive. So uh, what if you say, Lord, give me joy. Is there any verse that says give me joy? That pray and ask the Lord to give you joy? No, there's verses that says, here's how to produce the fruit of joy. Here's the steps and the actions you need to take to produce, to cause joy to come into your life. That a prior action has to occur, and the result of that action then is the fruit of joy. So a lot of times people are praying, well, Lord, give me love. Lord, give me joy. Give me peace. But what you'll find is is that is not correct. If it's a fruit, that means some prior action has to occur that's not directly related to that. It's a result of a prior action. And so the prior action of, uh, of producing joy, and what you'll find really in all of the fruits of the Spirit, is they're all prior actions of faith, uh, but the specifics of, of the faith that you have to exercise to produce that fruit may, may vary slightly among them. For example, uh, the love of God is shed abroad in your hearts by the Holy Ghost that's been given to you, according to Romans 5.5. 5. So when we get saved... That's an action of faith, right? We chose to get saved. As a result of that, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. Uh, and so that's one way to start love in your life. But you can continue that by reading 1 Corinthians 13 about how to, how to allow uh, the love of God to grow in you. Uh, and so here, Jesus is saying that in order to produce joy in your life, you don't ask for joy directly. You go live a life of faith by asking and receiving. And the result of that is you have, he said, what's the, how much joy do you have? That your joy may be what? Full. Wouldn't it be nice to have fullness of joy? Well, he said, the way you do that is you just ask and receive. And, and you tune yourself, you train yourself to ask correctly, right? So you, well, Lord, I want a pink elephant. I want, you know, I want the biggest, I, I, want, a, I want a $200 million yacht. You know, some people say, I want a jet airplane. You know what the maintenance on a jet airplane is? You know, it may be, you know, 100000 It could be as much as a million dollars a year, just the maintenance on it, because you've got to go through all these uh, inspections and these things. They're very expensive, amen? Uh, one, one engine will, will be a half a million dollars for a cheap engine, amen? 
and you got to replace an, an engine in a, in a jet airplane, that it's expensive. Well, I want a jet airplane. Do you have the faith to believe for the maintenance of that? I, you know, a lot of people, Lord, uh, I, I want a, the biggest house ever. And they go buy a biggest house that, that the, the, you know, 100% of their salary, and then they have no money to maintain it. Well, you know, you got to paint that thing every now and then, right? You got to vacuum it, you got to clean it, you got to fix it. Well, I don't have money to do all that. Uh, and so, you know, they're not, they're not asking correctly, they're not asking wherever their faith level is. Ask where your faith level is, and your faith will grow. I mean, your faith is, grows by increasing in the Word of God and exercising your faith. Amen. Uh, and so Jesus said, here, here's how you develop joy. So if this is how we develop joy, by asking and receiving, see, then, then a merry heart is a good medicine. So one way to, to, to produce the health in your body is to ask, ask things, right? Well, I, don't, I never ask the Lord for anything. Well, then you don't have fullness of joy. You just go, I just go do it on my own. Well, that's great, but, but you've not produced fullness of joy. So that means you don't, you, you're not having a merry heart like the word of God says you can have a merry heart. Uh, you may have a merry heart because of your own hard work, but that's not the spiritual merry heart that the Lord wants us to have. Then, then you're not producing the medicine in your body the way the Lord says you can produce the medicine. So you're on your own. And a lot of churches, a lot of church members are fine just, just doing things on their own. Lord, I'll, just, I'll exercise, you know, I'll eat right, I'll sleep well, I'll drink lots of water, and I'll get, I'll get uh, health on my own. And Jesus said, you know, if you just ask and receive, you'll get fullness of joy. That'll produce medicine in your body, uh, and it's all free. Asking is free, receiving is free, uh, producing joy in your life is free, and, and producing the medicine that comes from the joy is free. It's all free, pretty good deal, right? No copay, right? No, no partial payments, you know, no side effects. It's a pretty good deal, amen? So, now, so uh, this is what, this, when, I, when, I, when I ask, well, Lord, I want, I full of, how do I get fullness of joy? Ask and receive. There's nothing better than, than you need something, especially something that you need desperately in your life, and you ask the Lord for it, and, and he pro- provides it for you. You know how much joy that pr- produces in your life? There's nothing in the Word of God that says that joy will, will be produced by your sad circumstances. That's not how we get joy. By, well, I'm, Lord, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be faithful through the sad circumstances. No, you use faith to overcome the sad circumstances. That will produce faith in your life or produce joy in your life. If you just suffer through them and, yeah, you've made it to the other side, you've not produced any joy in your life because you just suffered through it. You just held your breath, you know, as long as you could. You made it through it. And, yeah, that's great that you survived, but you didn't survive with joy. Amen. We need to survive with joy. Uh, we need to make it through the, the circumstances of life and joy by asking, Lord, this, this circumstance is going on. Uh, uh, this is what needs to happen. We talked this morning about definite requests, right? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to move in this half, you know, bless them, take care of this. You know, this is a mountain here. Remove that in the name of Jesus. And this is what's going to happen. And then you sit back and you watch it. You watch it occur. And that produces joy in your life. Uh, And the result of that is then you can live a life of health. Uh, That's a pretty good deal. Amen. Uh, And and that's that's preventative medicine. Uh, That's not... You know, where, you know, it's great that we can be sick and be healed, right? It's not, we don't end it at great that we can be sick. It's great that we can be sick and be healed. But see, having fullness of joy is preventative medicine, right? It's like a vitamin. You take it every day. And, uh, and you take your vitamin of joy and it produces medicine that then no, no amount of sickness can override that medicine. Well, that's a pretty good deal, amen? Uh, and so can we do that? Do we have the capacity to do it? 
Uh, is it worth the effort to figure out how to do it? Because, you know, uh, figuring out how to ask correctly, how to remain in him, how to, how, how to have his words remain in us, that takes a certain amount of effort, doesn't it? Just like, you know, the, you get the little pill bottle and it says take three, uh, uh, take three pills a day, uh, you know, for 30 days or whatever it is. And then you got, well, is, is it before the meal, after the meal, you know, during the meal? You know, what is it? Uh, and so you get the specific, you find out exactly what the instructions are, and then you follow that diligently. And most people will follow the prescription medicine diligently, but they won't follow the Word of God diligently. They'll, well, I tried it for like, I tried it like all afternoon, like for a whole day, like, like a half a day, and nothing happened. Well, you know, the doctor will tell you that you've got to take it for 30 days. That's why it was prescribed for 30 days, because if it was good enough after three days, it would have been a three-day prescription. But it's a 30-day, so it takes a while. And a lot of times what happens is even in the natural realm, people will start taking medication, and after five days, they'll start feeling some better, so I don't need to take this medicine anymore. But, you know, you've got to at least have some level of confidence that if they say take it for 30 days, then what they have found that you've got to take it even though you're starting to feel better, you've got to take it through the end. And are they perfect? No. Have they ever lied? They probably have lied. But, you know, if you're going to go to the doctor, then you should do what the doctor says, if it's, as long as it's not unethical or immoral or anything. Uh, and so uh, they've done the studies that said you've got to take this for 30 days. Amen. Uh, and are they getting a kickback from the front? I don't know. I don't, you know, all that conspiracy. I don't know. If it says 30 days, I'm going to believe God that if it says 30 days, I'm going to take it for 30 days. Uh, and it'll do what it's supposed to do and nothing else. Amen. <clears throat> and so if you're, going to ha- if you're going to go to the doctor, you go to the doctor in faith. Amen. You don't go, well, I guess, you know, whatever they say is so. You know, you, you do, well, Lord, I'm going to do what they say with the faith that it does exactly what they say it's going to do and nothing less and nothing more. Um, and so that's a pretty good uh, uh, way to produce faith uh, or produce joy is to receive uh, answers to your prayer. Uh, and he said, we can, the answer is always yes. Abide in me, my words abide in you. Ask whatever you will, and it shall be done unto you. So that's a pretty good deal. Amen. So let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, that uh, we can ask. And if we ask, Father, that we can receive. And if we receive, Father, you said that our joy w- will remain full. And, Father, there's nothing more joyful than receiving answers to our prayers. And so, Father, we thank you for that. And we ask you, Father, to show us anywhere in our life where we need to adjust that, where if we first need to adjust abiding in you, if we first need to adjust your words abiding in us, or if we need to adjust how we ask or what we ask for or when we ask. Father, teach us, instruct us in the specifics of those verses, Father. And we will be diligent to follow your spirit. And follow your word, Father. And the end result, Father, is that we will, we, we will have fullness of joy. And, Father, that a merry heart doth good as a medicine. It is medicine to our bodies, Father. And so we thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Uh, can we produce that fruit in our life? Uh, we can, amen. And, and so... Um, we're not mad at the King James translators, amen. They did a pretty good job. I mean, you think about it, they did this uh, 400 years ago, right? More than 400 years ago, 1611. Of course, they spent a lot of years before that producing it. That's pretty good for 400 years ago, amen? Uh, and so we're not upset at them at all. But, you know, there's some adjustments that we can make on occasion as, they, as, uh, as we find out more information, amen? Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. <clears throat> and... Um, We've got prayer Friday night, right, this coming Friday night. So hope everybody has a happy 4th of July. 
and uh, it's looking kind of gray out there, so uh, it's supposed to rain again sometime soon. I don't, I don't know. But, uh, so come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. <clears throat> and um, uh, the, the Lord is good, amen? And um, these are good verses to study because they help us um, to have a life that wouldn't it, wouldn't it be nice to have a life that you're full of joy in? Uh, you know, people pursue that with diligence, right? They just think, if I just get more money, well, the money is not the, the, the source of your joy. It's the answered prayer that's the source of your joy. Amen? And if money is the answer to your prayer, well, then it's fine. But, but see, we want to uh, just get the money without the prayer. And so that's not really uh, a spiritual fruit. Amen? It's just natural fruit. Uh, and so let's produce spiritual fruit in our lives. Amen? Yeah. Well, be blessed. Have a wonderful, wonderful week, and you're dismissed.